I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland. Training camp is here. We're ready to roll. The Browns are going to be out on the field. Preseason football, before you know it, yeah, you're going to be all hyped, and then you're going to go, ah, preseason football, I forgot. This is not regular season football, but that's all right because regular season football just about a month away. My name is Andy Baskin. His name is Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you want to be a part of the show, all you need to do is hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram at game day CLE. Daryl, we're here. We're here. Are you ready? I like, I feel your excitement. I can, I, I can feel the reverberation coming through the microphone right now. Are you ready? I've already started to drink heavily. The season is here. <laughs> that makes you a I'm true Browns fan. I'm kidding. Lighten up, Francis. Just a joke. No, we're. I'm. Yeah, campus. Campus open. We're ready to roll. And uh, the Browns got a lot of work ahead of them over the next what six, seven, eight weeks. Like training camp feels like it's two months now. Starts at the entirely too soon, and takes entirely too long. Because it goes from now all the way up into the second September. week of September. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculously, unnecessarily, stupidiculously long. Like, last year was painful. I'm not going to lie. That was just absolutely painful how long training camp was. They need to shorten it. I'm old school. I'm old-fashioned. These guys are in top peak athletic shape. They don't need 20 weeks to whip their fat ass into shape like they did in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. They ain't bagging groceries at the hardware store in the offseason to make ends meet. These guys basically live in the gym. They don't need seven, eight weeks of training camp to get them ready for a regular season. That's one thing I wish the NFL would change. Training camp now entirely too long and unnecessary it really really is they don't play a football game until september 
11th. Let me rephrase. They don't play a football game that matters until September 11th. Everything else is just basically, uh, you know, prep and performance and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, camp is just way, way, way too long in my view. But Daryl, is that a sign of a roster that's pretty much set? Like I can remember times when we didn't know what was going on and it was also the days of four preseason games and they couldn't get here. Fa- I couldn't get through those games fast enough. And <laughs> obviously the fourth game was always just a complete waste of time. But you know, when you, when you look at some of the things you're saying right now, like it's too long, it's too this to me, that's actually, I think a good sign because it's saying, Hey, I'm looking at this team and I think that they have not a lot of spots to fill and, and trying to figure out what the, what the camp questions are, which is what we're going to do today. So maybe it's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, glass half full. There, there are not a lot of jobs that are up for grabs, right? Right. Um, the starting lineups on both sides of the football are mostly spoken for. Uh, one of the questions that they have is completely really out of their control. And, and obviously, I'm referencing quarterback and, and Deshaun Watson. But that's not really a big deal because, as we chronicled in our previous podcast, uh, pretty much every year, pre-Baker Mayfield, we didn't know who the hell was starting week one anyway. So what's right. the big deal this year? So. Uh, you know, defensively, obviously, I think there are more questions there uh, than maybe on the uh, offensive side of the ball when you, uh, you know, maybe uh, talk about some of the depth and, and rotations that Joe Woods might incorporate. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is a team that is built to win today. OK, and, and I think that that's why there's so much angst over Deshaun Watson. It's because, well, I mean, they need him to live up to their expectations and to do what they believe they're capable of doing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that you're right. I think that's what kind of really makes camp monotonous when they're there. There's not a lot of sizzle to this thing, right? Right. Um, There's not, uh, we know if he's allowed Deshaun Watson is the franchise quarterback. Um, there's some minor things to, to look at, but the look starting five on the offensive line is set, you know, Nick Harris, uh, Nick Harris, uh, Ethan Posick and, uh, um, uh, Hoffman, you know, maybe they Rock have, a, yeah, you know, maybe they have a pseudo competition for center, but yeah, they're, they're pretty much set uh, on the offensive line. We know who the primary receivers are going to be the running backs. They're overflowing with bodies there. The only question is who, who makes the final cut and how many, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is a uh, a rather set roster going into this camp. There's no, there are not tremendous questions that need to be answered. All right, so let let me throw some questions at you about the offense. First of all, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, Jerome Ford, Demetric Felton, John Kelly Jr. How many running backs can they keep? And hey, I, 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 let's start there. How many running backs can they keep? Would you be willing to trade one of these guys? I think it depends, and I'm not copping out of the question. I think it depends how camp goes. How healthy are they coming out of training camp? If they're 100% healthy at the position coming out of training camp, I could see them trading one of the running backs, either for a future asset or to fill a hole on the team that they need, you know, fill a spot that they need. Um, Nick Chubb, as we know, he's 100% solid. Kareem Hunt wants a contract extension. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, but he's a you know 
a viable starting caliber uh, running back. Ernest Johnson came back this year, restricted free agent, uh, averages over five yards a carry. We saw what he did last year when both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were unavailable, and that certainly was an eye-opener. I think that's a big reason they brought him back. I, I, I'll i be honest with you, Andy. I don't know what the hell they're doing drafting Jerome Ford in the fifth round. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't get it. Um, you've got Demetric Felton, who you drafted in the sixth round last year, and we don't know if he's a running back or a receiver. Right. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice. It's nice to have these type of options. And as they say, these things take care of themselves. Remember last year going into camp, all we yep. talked about was the depth and abundance of riches they had at wide receiver. And then what happened? By the end of the season, we're like, holy crap, they don't have any receivers outside of Jarvis Landry who's banged up. Right? Right. So I'm not saying I'm not trying to forecast that that's what's ultimately going to happen with the running back spot. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's unpredictable on paper. They have a tremendous amount of depth, but these things always tend to work themselves out, whether it's through injury or a trade or whatever. Like it just they tend to work out. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how that running back room comes. Daryl, when it comes to wide receiver with David Bell on the on the pup list, what wide receiver are we not talking about that might get some play? So, I mean, look, you already know that Amari Cooper is the, the number one guy. Donovan Peoples-Jones, um, you know, is in the same very, very good spot. Anthony Schwartz is a the guy they want to see, right? I want to see yep. him. They, they, This guy's a burner. But when you talk about there's a lot of new names in there. Is And, you know, I've sat here and we've talked about, hey, don't bring in – bring in another wide receiver. Don't bring in another wide receiver. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you? Because you want to see some of the young guys you have. Give me one guy out of that group of wide receivers that we should have our eye on during camp because they're going to have an opportunity to to do some things they weren't going to be able to do because David Bell's on the PUP. Their new Pro Bowl returner, Jakeem Grant, I think he's going to get an opportunity to to contribute, even with David Bell on PUP. Regardless, regardless of David Bell, I think that Jakeem Grant is going to get an opportunity to contribute. Um, right now, uh, I'm going to go off of that David Bell's going to be healthy in time for the uh the initial the the final this cut to, to the initial 53 man roster. So your receivers on this team are Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, Anthony Schwartz, that's three, David Bell is four, Jakeem Grant is five. That leaves one spot left. Is it Javon Wims? Is it Jamarcus Bradley? Is it Michael Woods, who they just drafted this year in round six? Is it uh, 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 Mike Harley Jr.? Um, is it one of the other undrafted rookie free agents, right? So basically right. you have one wide receiver job legitimately up for grabs in training camp, okay? So that's kind of how I look at that position group. But yeah, I would say Jakeem Grant because we're, we've talked a lot about what he's going to do for the special teams unit and what he can do. And quite frankly, he's not gotten a lot of opportunities early in his career to do a whole lot. Um, so I think there's an opportunity as a slot receiver for him potentially to have a, a, a pretty decent role in this offense. All right. We've kind of gone through the offense. I'm not going to get into the offensive line questions. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious what you saw. And you talked about it. The center position is the one that might be a little bit. Eh, let's see what happens. 
especially with J.C. Treader, you know, out and about, not for the Browns anymore. When we come back, let's talk about the defense. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you want to be a part of the show, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at GameDayCLE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, we're doing our camp preview. We've already gone through the offense. Now it's time to talk about the defense. And the number one question going in, in my eyes, is what is the interior defensive line going to look like? Can Jordan Elliott come through? Tavian Bryan, Perry and Winfrey, who's now on the PUP, probably had a golden opportunity. And what will we see out of Tommy Togiai? You tell me, Daryl Ryder. I have no idea. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Oh, it, it is a position that, it, and I say that because it is a position, Andy, that is wide open. It, it, to me, it's wide open. Now, Elliot and Brian enter as the leaders in the clubhouse, right? Right. They've, got, they, they've uh, I think, got most of uh, the most experience there. So they come in as the the leaders in the clubhouse. Perry and Winfrey, who uh, was the oh, final... I said PP. He's not a PP. Sorry, he just I, my bad. Yeah, final draft pick to yeah. sign his rookie contract that happened on Friday. Yes. So Penn has uh, been put to paper. He's a big talker. We're going to find out if he's as big of a player. Um, love the energy. Love what you see on film from his college tape. But as we know, the NFL is a different beast. Yep. And now is the time for Perry and Winfrey to do his talking on uh, the field. And quite frankly, uh, I realize I'm supposed to be 100% unbiased. And I am going to self-report myself right now. I'm rooting hard for Perry and Winfrey. Because I want to talk to that dude every week. <laughs> <laughs> so guilty as charged, Your Honor. I'm rooting for Perry and Winfrey to be very successful uh, as a member of the Cleveland Browns because he's he's a, a a dynamic personality. He's a lot of fun to talk to, and he seems like he's a really really good kid. So uh, self reporting myself for a little. Uh, um, homerism there uh regards to tommy togi i don't know what to expect really don't i uh, didn't see a lot of him last year don't know what to expect sheldon day as a fourth rounder he's not make or break though is he i mean no he's and gonna again, have to contribute on special teams right i mean that's yeah, really where I mean, you're you're hanging your hat for him uh, i mean a lot of these guys that have been drafted the last couple of years they are mid the late round picks and the 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 fate of the season should not be hinging upon uh, them. And get used to it, Bo Bell. Get used to it. Uh, 
you got uh, Roderick Perry there, uh, Glenn Logan, another uh, re- rookie free agent in that. So, yeah, defensive tackle, not a lot of depth. And All right, so I, I don't know what they have talent-wise, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and I'm not taking shots at anybody. I'm not saying that they can't play. It's just I really just feel like that position group, Andy, to me, is an unknown, unproven commodity. Well, in a 4-3, if it was a sandwich, the outside of the four is outstanding. Miles, Garrett, and Jimmy Clowney. So the inside of the sandwich is, uh, you know, is it going to be filet mignon or is it going to be day-old ham? I don't know. We'll find out pretty quick. <laughs> I, I will say this with the get- outside. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, when you look at the outside, uh, you know, Chase Winovich gives them some nice depth there uh, to be that third rotation yeah, defensive end. Yep. You know, Alex Wright, again, similar to Perry and Winfrey. Uh, maybe you got something there out of a third-round pick. Uh, you know, then, then behind that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's there. I Thank goodness the two guys that they have are uh, a defensive end or – Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. Um, but uh, Chase Winovich yeah. is going to see time, though. I mean, oh, I absolutely. Was, he is. I think he's that the, was probably the first guy off the bench. Yeah, I think that was the, the quietest, best pickup they had in the offseason. Absolutely. Yeah, they trade they traded uh, for him and sent Mac Wilson to the Patriots. That was a good that was a good trade. Yeah, so let's now let's drop back in the four uh, three. Let's talk about the linebackers for a second. Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa, Anthony Walker Jr. Um, you know, so yeah, or if you want to look at it as a four two, I don't know how you want to look at it. Whether you play the DBs or not, four, and then you four, play two, the outside. Five. Yeah, all right. So I, I'm so it's so weird, Daryl, because linebacker and running back. Like when I was a kid, man, those are the spots you wanted to play. Right, those were high glamour spots. No, not so much. No, and look, JOK appears to be that impact linebacker that I have been begging for the last 20-some-odd years for the Browns to find. They've had good linebackers. They haven't had a lot of game-changers at that position, and I I view Jeremiah Wosukoromo as a potential game-changer. Anthony Walker's your consummate professional, makes the plays that are there to be made. Uh, and need to be made. He's very good at directing traffic. He's a leader. You need those type of players on the field. So those are your two starters there. Sione Takitaki, uh, John, I think one of the favorite names for John Dorsey to say. He always likes it. Takitaki. Um, <laughs> Jacob Phillips, uh, Tony Fields. Remember last year, uh, you know, Anthony Walker got banged up a little bit, and uh, their depth at linebacker kind of got tested. Uh, and and I think that that's going to benefit them this year, Andy, because if something happens, you have these guys like, you know, who Jacob Phillips is, you know, who Tony, you know, Tony Fields, I have him like third on, you know, third or fourth on the depth chart, but fans know who Tony Fields is. That's right. a positive thing. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So yeah. even, even though it was painful last year with some of the injuries, it actually was productive because it got a lot of guys game reps and game experience and allowed them to grow as young players. So it's, it, you know, when you look at the, at the linebackers, cause it's, you know, it, and so Tony Takitaki, there aren't a lot of guys left from that 19 draft, right? It's him. Right. And one guy you can count on, or at least we're hoping to count on is greedy Williams. You know, it, it's just interesting when you look at a roster and you're like, well, what are these guys made of? And where are the majority of these guys from? And, 
you know, when you're a top pick, you're probably sticking around like Miles Garrett was 17 and uh, Denzel Ward was 18. But, you know, that 19 draft doesn't have, there aren't a lot of names dotting it. Like you don't expect the older guys. And remember, to they, didn't have a, they didn't have a first round pick that year. Yeah. And so, you know, so I just wonder what kind of pressure Taki Taki is going to have on him this year. I, I mean, he's got to he's got to play, man. They got to get him to step it up if Cormo is not on the field or Walker's not on the field. So uh, let's let's jump back into the corners. Um, Ward, you know, Williams. I, I mean, we have some that's defensive secondary to me looks outstanding when you when you take all the names, Delpit, and Williams and Newsom. I mean, the, well, that three safety alignment that we heard so much about that that um, Joe Woods has has been dying to use, but again, injuries derailed his plans. But Grant Delpit, John Johnson the third, and Ronnie Harrison, well, those are three pretty damn good options at at safety, right? Right. And then, um, then you throw in a guy like Richard LeCount, who's still a young player that's developing. Uh, Although it does feel like he's been here a while, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why. Like, I like, is LeCount here still a, here? He was a fifth-round pick last year. I know. It's, I, I don't know why. It feels old to me. Remember he got himself in the doghouse last year during training camp a little yes. bit there? Yeah. So, um, you know, but, yeah, they, they, they added DeAnthony Bell, uh, an undrafted free agent. You got Nate uh, Meters in there. So – but they're they're starting three safety. Those three, they've got two starting safeties, but they really actually have three of them. Okay, and that and that's that flexibility is invaluable. And then you know, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom, AJ Green uh, in, in that secondary, you feel real good. Denzel Ward, uh, you, you kind of feel you know Martin Emerson, who they drafted this year in the third round again. Setting expectations at a realistic level for fans. Remember, uh, you know, if you get any anyone you get rounds three through seven is is gravy to to be a player for you. But uh, he's he's going to get some some opportunity. But yeah, you look at that secondary man. Eh, I mean, there's 16 names of secondary players. Yeah, you know, I just I'm looking at one of the depth charts. So, hey, you know what? Hard decisions to be made, right, on the right. back end of the roster. Uh, and how many of those guys are you keeping? You know what I'm saying? I mean, as that's... many as possible. There is no such thing as uh, too many corners. So the, uh, you know, right now is, as I look at it, obviously your starters are Denzel, Delpit, JJ three, greedy and Greg. Right. Um, uh, I, I think you're absolutely keeping, uh, Ronnie Harrison, AJ green though. To me, those are your locks. To make the roster. Well, there, I mean, you're not cutting your third rounder either. Well, maybe you sneak him through the, the practice squad. Remember, they had they they had what two or three third round picks and two or three fourth round picks this yeah, year. Yeah, Alex Wright. Yeah. So keep that in mind as well. And this is what's di one of the differences this year is the uh, the cuts are going to take place the final three Tuesdays in August. So they will, uh, they are going to be cutting down the rosters. Uh, as I mentioned, those final three days, I'm, I'm, I'm scrambling to pull up the numbers for you because the cut down, uh, is different this year. This is new. Hmm. So on August 16th, they will cut from 90 to 85 by 4 p.m. Eastern. 
And then on August 23rd, the roster will go from 85 down to 80. And then on August 30th, another Tuesday, it goes to the initial 53 at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And then that's a huge dump right there. Right. Now, waivers on these expire at noon the following day. And you might say, well, Daryl, why does that matter? Well, it's that's when you that's where you try and hide your players as a GM and try and squeeze them through the waiver wire. So those, you know, the couple of those draft picks we were mentioning, Andy, about yep. you know, can, can, you know, can you get it? That's where you dump them on waivers there. So that because the waiver wire is going to be flooded, there's not nearly it's not a 24 hour waiver wire. It's from 4 p.m. until noon the next day. So it's a it's a much shorter window, and again, every team is going to be flooding the the waiver wire. And here's the other thing, you know, we were talking about uh, the defensive tackle situation. Um, you want to hear my little conspiracy theory? I, I maybe not conspiracy theory, just my theory. Wait, do me a favor. Why don't you hold yes. it for a second? Let's hold it for a second. Hold that conspiracy theory. Can you hold it? I will do my best to control my bladder. <laughs> oh, Daryl, Daryl. It's a good thing it's a podcast. <laughs> it's definitely a good thing it's a podcast. Let's hey, take a quick time out. Dad for a week. I got the dad jokes galore. That's all right. Uh, let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. I want to talk about you know your conspiracy theory, and then I want to talk about the impact of the coaches here uh, during training camp and some of the decisions they might have to make to make sure this team is at its absolute best. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It's always game day in Cleveland. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to have you on board. When we last left, it's always game day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder was explaining a story and he had a conspiracy theory. Give us the conspiracy theory. Made me hold it, too. I held it through the break. Good job, though. Um, I'm proud of you. Maybe conspiracy theory is a little dramatic. Oh, I oversold it going into the break. No, I oversold. No, I'm the one that did the overselling. That's on me. You just repeated what I said. But thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone that's listening right now. Uh, So my theory is, because this ties into the Indomitian Sioux uh, conversation that has been going on for whatever reason, um, that I believe, based on the timeline of 
the the cuts and uh, the fact that the Browns don't play a game that even matters until September 11th. And the initial 53 is on August 30th, which by my math, uh, I believe is 10 days that they will use training camp to really give these young guys a defensive tackle a look. And then if they don't like what they see, they will use that time between the initial 53-man roster and the opener to bring in some help at that position through the wave. Because remember, how many times did we sit on pins and needles watching that waiver wire over the years, right? And the, the Browns would like poach eight guys off waivers. Remember those days? Oh, Eric so I could see them easily giving these guys the reps, the opportunities in training camp at defensive tackle, and it would not shock me if they brought in some defensive tackle help before the season begins. If, mm. if, and only if, they don't like what they're seeing from what they currently have. Would you say the same about wide receiver? Mm-hmm. Probably not, unless the caveat there is, unless you're moving on quickly from like Demetric Felton, you, Michael Woods, you squeeze him through waivers. You, he's a sixth round pick this year. Uh, you know, Jamarcus Bradley, you know, things like, like, yeah, if something opened up there, maybe they bring in a back end of the roster at receiver. But defensive tackle, I think, is really the position to watch for post-initial 53-man roster assistance. All right, Daryl, our final breakdown as we go into camp here is on the coaching staff. I'm curious to see how they divvy up the reps at quarterback. I'm div- I'm curious to see how much time they give someone like Joel Batonio or Wyatt Teller or you know, and Jack Hawkland. We haven't talked about him at all. And will he be ready for the season? So I, I let me start with the quarterback question. If you were Kevin Stefanski, if Deshaun Watson's not playing, how are you divvying up the reps? And are you in if Desha, let's just say Deshaun Deshaun continues to go forward here and isn't suspended through the partially through the camp? I know this. I, I'm not trying. I'm trying to make it so we're not dated for anybody that's listening along here, but. How important is it for Deshaun Watson to get as many reps as he can in camp prior to a verdict? It depends. I mean, it, I'll be honest, it depends on the verdict because if the verdict is, it is. So let's one, just say you're in week one, like we are now. Who are you giving the reps to? Oh, I'm giving them to Jacoby Brissett because I got to get him ready to be my week one starter. That's okay. just me. I don't think that that's what's going to happen, though. I think that they're going to proceed as Deshaun, as, with Deshaun as the, their week one starter um, as far as those reps go. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think they kind of have to do that because he's not suspended until he's suspended. That's what people have to understand. Even though, sure, the hand has been tipped by them bringing in Josh Rosen, that that's a clear sign they're bracing for impact, right? Right. I think right. I think it's fair to say that. Um, that yeah, I mean, you have to perceive he hasn't been suspended. So at the time have, we taped this, yeah, just, at, the, at the, the time the we taped this, that's why I was yeah. yeah. Um, so you have to proceed along those lines. 
Gotcha. All right, let's uh, let's uh, dig a little deeper here too. If you're, I always find it interesting when we talk about coordinators, like Joe Woods and Alex Van Pelt. Okay, so Joe Woods, like in the beginning of the season, fans wanted to throw him out so fast last year because there was a little bit of a struggle to start the season. And then all of a sudden they turned things around and they became the heart of the team. Where are you on Joe Woods right now? I think Joe Woods is a, a, a really, really good coach. And I laugh at the thought of people wanting him fired. I really do. It takes time for things to kind of come together. And his, his unit played better at the end of the season than they did the beginning, which at last check, Andy, it's kind of what you're looking for. Right. Yep. So I I don't get the Joe Woods criticism. That's just me. Um. But now my but my expectation for what they're able to do on that side of the football, assuming assuming good health for everybody, right? Right. Is that they're going to kind of pick up where they left off last year. I have very high expectations. I think they've got a really really good secondary, if not one of the best in the National Football League. Um, you've got two of the best pass rushers in the game. Uh, sure. You got some questions up the middle. You've got an emerging potential playmaking, uh, game changing linebacker in JOK. Um, so yeah, I, I have a lot of expectations for this defense, but I, I, I am not in the Joe Woods it was on the hot seat or should have been on the hot seat or will be on the hot seat camp. I think he's a very fine football coach. I really do. And I think that if everything goes as planned this year on that side of the ball, don't be surprised to see Joe Woods as a head coaching candidate in 2023. Ooh, nugget. All right. Well, how about Alex Van Pelt? If, if Alex Van Pelt can make this quarterback crew work and he's got a hodgepodge it all season, there's another guy I think deserves to be a head coach somewhere. You know, what's interesting is them switching up quarterback coaches. Not only did they switch out all the quarterbacks, you know, Drew Petzing's now the quarterback coach. Okay. And he coached tight ends last year. Um, and I, I find that interesting um, that they made it, they made that adjustment this offseason. I think Drew Petzing's a, a fine assistant coach, uh, I think he's an up and comer. Um, I like Alex Van Pelt. I, I think that the reason why Alex Van Pelt gets some of the grief that he gets is because, well, he's not calling the plays. Kevin Stefanski is, right? True, true. And so I think that there's this perception among fans out there that he's, you know, dispensable or disposable or however you want to put it, right? That he's just, he's, he's insignificant in terms of how things go. And, I, and again, I, I'm referencing how some fans may perceive him. I, I certainly don't feel like he's insignificant. I think he's integral in what they do. I think he's uh, Kevin Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski's right hand uh, on the offense uh, when it comes to managing things, not only just on game day, but uh, you know, during the week, get, you know, making sure getting the game plan together, getting things organized and, and whatnot. So um, I, I, I think that I have a much higher regard for both Joe Woods and Alex Van Pelt than some fans do. And I'm not knocking fans. That's why they're, they're fans. But um, I, I think that both of those coaches, I think they're, 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 they're very good men. They're very good coaches. Um, and uh, again, I kind of feel like AVP is just kind of 
a bit of a victim of the circumstance in his job title or not his job title, but his responsibilities per sure. se, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, look like at Kyle Hans Shanahan. Hope right? He doesn't call the, call the plays, but there are a lot of head coaches in the NFL that have offensive coordinators uh, that don't call the plays, you know, Andy Reid, Eric B come to mind yeah. in Kansas city. Right. Right. That doesn't mean that Eric B is not a good coach. It's like so, Jim, Tr- Jim Trussell used to always say this all the time. We're like, uh, the question would come up, have you ever thought about giving up play calling? And he'd be like, if I gave up play calling, well, what else would I do? Would I just walk up and down the sidelines and pretend like I'm watching the game? You know, and like there are head coaches that know their their forte. And I, 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 it's interesting in life, too. Like you promote somebody from doing something, and then all of a sudden they don't do what they did that made them great to get them to the next job. And so I do, I, I, I have a better understanding. I think as I got older <clears throat> about head coaches that are calling plays and understanding why they do it. And it makes sense. I mean, again, if you got the job because you were a great offensive coordinator, why would you stop doing what you're doing? They're control freaks, Andy. That's what well, that's they are. Too. And again, yeah. I don't say that as a negative like that. I mean, they, you're going to put your fate in someone else's hands if you can do the job yourself. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, No, I hear you. I, I, I'll i be perfectly honest with you. I'm like kind of the same way. I don't like delegating a lot of stuff. I, 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 Because you know I it's going to get done right. Because I did it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's I know the one person I can count on is myself. And if I want it done, done the way that I want and done right, I will do it myself. And that's not knocking anyone that might be around me that could help, right? But that's just how I'm wired. I I like this way. If a mistake is made, I'm the I'm accountable for it. I'm the one that screwed up. That's on me. I can't blame anybody else. And Kevin Stefanski is the same way. I mean, my God, how many times last year did he say I have to coach better? He said it so many times. I just wanted to scream, "Yes, we know you have to coach better." So when are you going to start? All in good fun. By the way, Kevin Stefanski, not a guy you can have any fun with in a press conference. I don't know if you've picked that up in the first couple of years. Like he is a when he's in front of those cameras and microphones, dude has game face on. He is as serious as they come. You are not having any fun with him whatsoever. He wants to answer your questions and then get the hell out of Dodge. He is not there to That's a good question, Daryl. He, That's a good question, Daryl. He is not there to laugh with you, and and, and nope, he is. The, <laughs> you know what? Win and, games and win games, yeah. and no one cares. And look, so. I like Kevin. I'm not, you know, some people are like, oh, you Daryl's ripping Kevin's defense. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm ha- actually, I'm kind of like poking the fun at the fact that he's always serious because there have been some times where we've tried to mess with him. Tom Withers all the time is is trying to loosen the room up a little bit, right? With, with right, I, I try and loosen the room up. Occasionally, I know Mary Kay has tried to do it a couple of times and stuff. So we all do. Um, and, 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 and it's, it's all done out of respect. You know, um, we know that Kevin probably doesn't necessarily enjoy his time answering questions with us. Um, it's probably the least favorite part of his day. It's an obligation. And, and, and on some days it really is an obligation. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we respect, we treat him with respect. We respect him. And, 
you know, what's the old adage? If uh, you don't have a little fun with you, then uh means we don't think you're worth it type thing. You know what I mean? So I hear you. I totally hear you. Daryl, uh, we're going to be getting ready for a preseason game next time we talk, right? I think so. At least a scrimmage. Something. I think we'll be a little bit closer. We'll definitely be closer. We'll be talking about the Hall of Fame game. There is, there is nothing more exciting to break down than preseason football. Oh, bro, that doesn't get any better than that, does it? <laughs> Not at all. By the way, by the way, yeah. get ready. Get this is your final thought, by the way. Ready. This is your final thought. I'm calling my shot right now. Okay, call it. Browns in the Hall of Fame game next year if Joe Thomas goes into the Hall of Fame as a first ballot. Wow. Daryl Ryder. Book it. I'm telling you, they haven't been in the Hall of Fame game since 1999. So if 73 goes in, Brownies in Canton, which means and- I'm really going to hate next year. Five preseason, <laughs> what? Four preseason, no, three preseason games, right? Now they'll no, be you, up I- four preseason I- games and an extra extra week of training camp too. That is correct. Oh, uh, it'll be, it will be great to see Joe. It'll be great to hang in Canton. But my God, is that gonna suck? <laughs> be a lot of that'll be a lot of money for Star County, though. I'll give them. Yes, I, I'd be, be happy for them if they got it. They've yeah, earned, I, but that, that's it. I'm calling my shot. I think that if Joe goes in next year as a first ballot Hall of Famer, you will see the Cleveland Browns play in the Hall of Fame game at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. That would be awesome. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks again for listening. We always appreciate you, and we appreciate Meredith Kane, our outstanding producer of the show. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe. Give us as many stars as you want and give us a little bit of feedback along the way. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland.